This week, the nation watched as witnesses testified in the former cop Derek Chauvin's murder trial. And here in Chicago, we learned that police have once again missed deadlines on federally mandated reforms. We're talking accountability of the police. Today is Friday, April 2nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. On today's show, we talk with the reporter covering the Chauvin trial in Minneapolis and another who spoke with Chicago activists who are watching closely. But first, a little bit of news, y'all. As COVID cases spike across Chicago and Illinois this week, both Mayor Lightfoot and Governor Pritzker have slowed down reopening plans. Uh, But that's all they agree on, because it seems the two are still at odds on the next steps for vaccine rollout. Governor Pritzker has promised to make the vaccine available to all Illinois adults April 12th. Well, except us here in Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot says the city is on its own timeline, but still hasn't given us a concrete date. Oh, you know the iconic sign of the Morton Salt Factory? Well, lucky for us, it may be still part of the city's landscape. Yesterday, Chicago commissioners moved it one step closer to landmark status. That protects part of the builder's architecture as it's supposedly going to be redeveloped into a concert venue. Some good news for my Chatham residents. You can pick up free groceries tomorrow at 10 a.m. off of 85th and Cottage Grove. Social Works and other partners are giving away 1,500 boxes of food in the neighborhood. So it's supposed to be real nice tomorrow. I'm talking sunny 60s. But you heard me say COVID cases up, right? So get outside if you can, but don't be hanging too close to your friends inside. Don't be breathing all up on each other, okay? That's your quick news for Friday, April 2nd. Stay with us. The nation was watching Minneapolis this week as the murder trial of former cop Derek Chauvin got underway. Of course, Chauvin was the officer who killed George Floyd last year by kneeling on his neck for more than nine minutes. Activists here in Chicago are watching the trial closely to see if another cop on trial will really actually mean they'll be held accountable. You see, that's something Chicago knows well. Just this week, two reports were released that say cops here are failing to make progress on federally mandated reforms. Today I'm talking to Kim Bailware, a Washington Post reporter covering the trial, and WBEZ's Patrick Smith, who's on the criminal justice beat. Uh, thank you both for being here on CityCast Chicago. It's really good to be with you. Thank you. Before we get into the Chauvin trial, Patrick, I have to ask about a recent police shooting in Little Village. We've learned it was 13-year-old Adam Toledo officer shot and killed early Monday. Uh, What else do we know about this shooting? Well, we know that the police narrative, the official police narrative, which has not changed yet, was that they said the shooting happened during an armed confrontation is the sort of term of art that the police were using. The police say they recovered a weapon. They did not say that they were ever shot at it. So I don't know exactly what they mean by armed confrontation. This is the third person to be shot by a Chicago police officer just this week. This news that it was such a young child um, is... Well, it just makes an already devastating week that much more devastating. Um, 13 is the youngest 
person that I can remember, you know, in my years of reporting here in Chicago to, to be killed by Chicago police. Sadly, it probably is not the youngest ever. I, I can't say for certain, but, but obviously a, a very young, young person to be, to be cut down by, by police. But we're learning about this as the nation watches one of the biggest police accountability trials in recent memory. Kim, you've been covering it all week. What's been the most striking thing you've seen or heard this week during the Chauvin trial? We're hearing from a lot of eyewitnesses first brought by the prosecution. These are people who were there when the arrest was happening and and people who saw George Floyd as he was crying out, as he lost consciousness. And the big takeaway from the first three days in particular is how traumatizing this has been for eyewitnesses. We've seen witnesses who so far have ranged from a nine-year-old girl to a 61-year-old man who have broken down on the stand. They have been sobbing. The other takeaway is that a lot of these bystanders who have clearly been traumatized by this event, they feel a sense of guilt, like they didn't intervene, but they also knew at the same time that they couldn't. No, I hear you. I've watched testimonies from people like Chris Martin, a young man who worked at the store, really felt the guilt that maybe he could have done something. And and honestly, watching him have to grapple with that and struggle with it has been extremely difficult. But not only for me, but for people across the city of Chicago. You know, Patrick, you've been talking to activists here in the city who are watching the trial. What are you hearing from them? Yeah, you know, I actually just before we, we started talking, I, w- I was on the phone with with an organizer here in Chicago, and, and it was a very emotional phone call. She was she was very very upset. I mean, this is a this is a really tough thing to watch, and especially you know she was saying the thing that I want, and this is I've heard this from from multiple people, but you know the thing that I want is for this to stop happening. You know, what she said is we're watching this trial and I know there's going to be another trial in a year or two. I know there's going to be another video. And especially with, with the, the police shootings that we've had here in Chicago, you know, she's saying the one thing I want is for this to not happen again. But instead, it's happening all around me all the time. Kim, what are the questions that still need to be answered as the trial continues? Well, the big uh, question that both sides are trying to argue is what exactly killed George Floyd. And the defense is arguing that it was underlying conditions. They're saying heart problems, um, adrenaline, you know, drug use. These are all the reasons that he died. The prosecution is very clearly trying to establish that, that his death would have been avoided if Derek Chauvin had not put his knee on his neck. And part of what the prosecution has tried to do with its witness testimony this week is really setting up how obvious it was to everybody else that what was happening was not okay, that it was creating a worse situation. The other thing that's emerged too is the witnesses have been talking about, these are local residents, they live in this neighborhood, they do not see this as a dangerous area. And part of what the defense had established in its opening statements in its narrative is that this was a high crime area and that the crowd that was gathering was hostile. And that very well may be true, but it does raise the question, is this how police, as a default, see the community that they're policing, that anybody who's questioning their activity is a hostile presence and not maybe a concerned one or, or one that has to be neutralized? Stick around. We'll hear about the latest efforts to hold the Chicago Police Department accountable. You know you can do more than listen to CityCast Chicago. 
Read the news coming from Sydney Madden, who writes our daily newsletter. She's got top stories, vax facts, and something we call Midwest Nice, of people doing good just for the sake of being good. Sign up at citycast.fm slash Chicago. You know, Patrick, this week, we also saw different reports drop about the state of reform for Chicago's police department, one from a city watchdog and another from a federal monitor. Uh, briefly, what were the takeaways here? I'll start with the one from the city watchdog, the, the Office of the Inspector General here in Chicago. They did a follow-up report on a, a 2019 report they did on the gang database here in Chicago. It's, it's, a, it's a list of people that the Chicago Police Department have determined have a gang affiliation. And this is well over 130,000 names, am I correct? Yes, it's a humongous list, and it's a list that ranges in age from like very young children to to people in their 90s. And so this report two years ago, the inspector general said this uh, gang database that you have, that it gets used a lot. It's not just a, an abstract thing. This 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 has a real, real world impact. And the inspector general's office said it's not reliable, that it's racist. And the Chicago Police Department said, we agree, we're going to fix it. Now it's two years later and this follow-up report says that they have done basically no work at all to fix it, to address the things they said they would, that that officers are still using that old database and that all the old problems still remain. The superintendent, David Brown, did say that the department is hoping to develop a new system by September. Kind of looking back a little bit, you both covered the trial of Jason Van Dyke, the Chicago cop convicted of second degree murder for shooting and killing Laquan McDonald in 2014, you know, 16 shots it's become a rallying cry here in the city. Do you think anything has changed since Van Dyke was convicted uh, almost two and a half years ago? I think one of the most interesting things that has sprung up, I think, which traces back to Laquan McDonald, is how there is a lot more skepticism, including from you know those of us in the news media. There's a lot more skepticism of the initial police narrative of a situation. I mean, we obviously know how much the reality differed from what Chicago police said after the shooting. And we saw that same thing happen with George Floyd. We also know the amount of time that Officer Chauvin's knee was on George Floyd's neck. It was almost a minute longer than we originally were led to believe by the, uh, by the footage. Um, Patrick, thoughts? Directly because of the killing of Laquan McDonald, the city of Chicago is under something called a consent decree. That's a court-enforced police reform plan. The city, the police superintendent, everybody says this is a good plan. We need to do it. However, there was a report that said they're still they're still way behind. They, they missed more deadlines than they met uh, in the latest consent decree reporting period. However, that report did also include some good news that that shows the city might be turning a corner on police reform, at least in the eyes of this court-appointed expert who's known as the independent monitor. But most importantly, people aren't feeling it in the streets. And that's a question that I put to a couple people yesterday, which is, what if we get to a point in a couple years where the monitor in this court process says, man, the city's doing great. Consent decrees fulfilled. They're doing amazing. But the people who actually live in the over-policed neighborhoods say, it doesn't feel any different to me. I want to thank both of you. We were joined today by Patrick Smith from WBEZ and Kim Belware from the Washington Post, who were helping break down not only the ongoing trial of Derek Chauvin, but also uh, how police reforms are going on the ground in Chicago. Again, thank you both so much. Thank you. Good to be here. 
before I let you go, yesterday was opening day, so our crew hopped on the Zoom at lunch to watch the first play of the Cubs and the Pirates. And away we go. <laughs> Ooh, that was in there. Look at Carrie hold her microphone like she, <laughs> like, like she oh Lynn Casper in the booth. <laughs> That's lead producer Carrie Shepard. That was a ball and that one was in. <laughs> oh, that is far outside the plate. All right, too far. Mm-hmm. I love that the announcers are being like, you know, he had his lowest walk rate last year. Bro, y'all played right. like six are, games. None of those last statistics year. can Keep actually quiet. be significant, right? Like, the, those are all useless statistics. That's producer Simone Alisea. <laughs> Our newsletter writer, Sydney Madden, couldn't watch with us, you know, too busy writing. And those beats that you love listening to every day, those are from my main man, Sam Trump. Like every day, you could be anywhere, but you're here with me, and I appreciate you. I talk to you on Monday. Peace.